What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, before we start the show, here's a word from Stephanie Miller. People say puffiness and under-eye bags are the hardest things to get rid of. Till now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Genucel is incredibly powerful. Natural serum, they guarantee you'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Listeners see a dramatic improvement in just two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel, you uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity with brilliant long-term results. Save big right now on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie, promo code Stephanie at checkout for an extra 10% off. That is lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. You'll also get the amazing Zotique Deep Correcting Serum free when you order the most popular package today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results are your money back. lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That is lovegenucel.com dot com slash stephanie that code is stephanie and now let the cartoons begin recorded live in the usa covering the whole wide world right on! this is the bob seska show presented by bubblegenius.com we're campaigning jerry to rule the people one must walk among them this is the home stretch tomorrow's the election right yeah the polls close after dinner three o'clock but then when we win the celebration goes all night until the break of 8 p.m. <laughs> Have you read today's book of breeze? Candidate Cosmo Kramer caught barefoot in clubhouse. <laughs> barefoot in the clubhouse, Kramer? Don't you realize this is against the rules? Well, I couldn't find my shoes. <laughs> These people work and wait their whole lives to move down here, sit in the heat, pretend it's not hot, and enforce these rules. We need damage control. All right, look, people seem to like those tip calculators, huh? Wizards. <laughs> yeah, well, how about if we give one out to every member on the condo board? Kramer. <laughs> there are 20 people on the board. Thank God you can get that deal. Chaos. Now we're playing politics. All right, what do we do next, Morty, huh? Wiretap slush funds? First, I need a nap. Bob Seska. I don't know what we're yelling about. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> if you want to know exactly why I played that clip, stick around for the post-mortem show today on our Patreon page. From our nation's <laughs> capital, it is Tuesday, May 18, 2021, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello. Hello, Bob. Day 119 of the Biden-Harris administration, 538 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. And let's bring him in, Mr. Buzz Burbank. When you say Buzz. 
Yep. You've said it all. <laughs> no, I, I am not going to be replaced on the show by Elise Stefanik. <laughs> Talking to invisible people again, I understand. Did, no, it's the guy who's always backstage. Hi, <laughs> hi, Bob. Hi. Hi, hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Uh, as you know, he's Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Buzz. And you can only laugh at the jokes if you've been vaccinated. But we are using the honor system. As always, good policy. Good policy to have. Hey, hey, what do you say? After the show, we, we all go over to Congressman Andrew Clyde's house for a normal tourist visit. God, I wish I could laugh at that, but it's just so maybe, infuriating. Yeah, Maybe bust, bust out some windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so-called uh, auditors of the Arizona presidential election admit that they have found no traces of bamboo in the ballots. But they, they did find one stained with soy sauce. <laughs> so there's your... Uh, I see in the news, uh, Colonial... I still get the news. Uh, I don't mm. do it anymore, uh, but I still <laughs> yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Colonial Pipeline uh, paid a $5 million ransom to its hackers. Yeah. But I think the joke's on the hackers because they got paid in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and a sex doctor. A sex doctor, Bob. Uh-huh. This week, a sex doctor uh, told the Guardian newspaper that as the pandemic comes to an end, oral sex is safer than kissing. Thank God. Finally. It's uh, not really a joke, more of a public service announcement. <laughs> By the way, sex doctor is my old job. Thank you. <laughs> uh, a, a lot of consciousness these days about uh, pronouns, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. Uh, he, him, a she, her. They, them. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, her pronouns are it, that, and what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Just outstanding. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Mike. Yeah. Green, green. She's Marjorie Green. She is the batshit one on the hill. <laughs> green, green. She's Marjorie Green. She is the mayor of Crazyville. Well, she told her mama on the day she was born, don't you cry when my brain is gone. Now those cold hard facts know they won't settle her down. Can't you see she's chewing on everybody now? Green, green, she's Marjorie Green. She wants to get up in your grill. Green, green, she's Marjorie Green. She drank too much from her own skill. No, there ain't nobody in this whole wide world Gonna tell her that she's out of place Well, now she's on the lookout with her tinfoil hat For Jewish lasers from outer space <laughs> How about tequila? Green, green, she's Marjorie Green She's getting batshit meaner still <laughs> Green, green, she's Marjorie Green She is the mayor of Crazyville she is the mayor of Crazy Bill. Oh, fucking A, she is. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, the great Rocky Mountain Mike. Rocky Man. underscore Mountain underscore Mike on Instagram. Follow him now. <laughs> great. Talk about talk about a perfect transition. You know, we ought to rehearse more often like that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I had no idea. Hey, look, that, if you're thinking we plan we planned that all out. Punchline Marjorie Green, song parody Marjorie Green. No, complete coincidence. Yeah. We're all we're all on the same page here. And by the way, that was the uh, that was the famous folk group uh Robert, Mike, and Mary. You remember them from <laughs> 
the 50s. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, man. And that song, by the way, has been stuck in my head since I loaded it up onto my soundboard. <laughs> so You know, he uh, Mike uh, does this to me every week. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll do a parody song, and then that melody mm-hmm. will be stuck in my head for the entire week. Yeah, and I always get the, in my head, I always get the lyrics wrong. And this is the part where I get committed, no doubt. But yeah. uh, I've, I'm convinced there is a, a radio station in my head. Mm-hmm. And and there's a guy, I don't know who it is, uh, programming the station. He's nuts. Because <laughs> I, I I hear I, I hear songs and I, in my head, and I hear, you know, I don't know who picks them, because I didn't. You know, I don't know. I don't know where they come from, and it's it's the bizarrest format you've ever heard. Yeah, you know what, Buzz? I think that's what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. Is what you're yeah, experiencing? Yeah, I, yeah, too I many, probably, too many program probably. directors, too many a holes in your radio yeah. career. I think it's got to be that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of uh, things from our radio past, you you mm-hmm. mentioned right before the show that you came with a uh, a bit of nostalgia for me, and so well, now you know, my interest is peaked. I got to know. I got to know what it is. You're saying, oh, you. Maybe we'll reserve this for the post-mortem show. And I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're talking about this right out of the Rocky Mountain Mike song. So what what do you have for me today, Buzz? <laughs> well, you know, I this this I just came across this piece of nostalgia and I thought I thought you might enjoy it. I have in my hand uh a letter that I wrote in July 1993. <laughs> uh, I think I know what this is, yeah. Of course, course you do, but I th- I think the audience would like to hear it. Okay, let's hear it. To to whom it may concern, I write cleverly. Uh, I enthusiastically recommend Bob Seska for whatever on-air or support position for which you may be considering him. (laughs) See, I even got the grammar right. Uh, Bob's performance was superb during the months we worked together. In addition to being completely reliable, Bob is as resourceful as he is intelligent. He's a creative, motivated self-starter. And he's made contributions to this newsroom that remain in effect today. Bob's duties include editing and editing tape and copy, research and board operation. Beyond that, he made decisions connected with these duties and he made them capably. I can assure you Bob is an asset to any organization of which he is a part. Feel free to call me if you need more information. Mike Elston, news director. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was great. That was like gold in my hands at that time. Oh man, 19th. and it did you absolutely no good. But I, we, we all we all felt good about it at the time, and that was 19 July of 1993. Uh, actually, you know what? To this day, I still think I got my first radio job at WEEU in Reading, Pennsylvania, because of that letter that you wrote. In fact, it wasn't my first radio job. I had another job at WUSQ in Winchester, mm-hmm. Virginia, Q102, mm-hmm. Country Q102, where I was right. a country music DJ. My first paid radio job was as a country music DJ for about five minutes before I quit. And then uh, less than a year after you wrote that letter, Buzz, I was Mm -hmm. gainfully employed at WEEU Radio in Reading, Pennsylvania, where I worked for another two and a half years after that. And two and a half years in in radio time is like a lifetime. That's a long, long stint. It's a good thing you didn't show them the letter. So. I love the part of the letter. I, the, the one part of the letter that yeah. always jumped out at me as being bullshit right. was the part where you say, Bob has instituted certain things in this newsroom that remain no. in effect to this day. Which, by the way, I had only been interning with you for, I don't know, 30 days, a uh, d- couple of months at that point. So it's not it, like I set up these policies that were, oh, we've had these policies for decades, thanks to intern yeah, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we lived a lifetime in That's that true. time. And, yeah. and no, it's not bullshit. Uh, that was absolutely, I mean, 
it's not fair to call me now after 1993 to, to say what specifically did he do. But it, that was absolutely <laughs> true. None of this was bullshit. It yeah. was all true. And I, and so I felt free to, you know, mm-hmm. to write these things with a clear conscience because they, they were true then as they are now. Well, it's this period of time. It's so funny that you came up with this, that you <laughs> thought to uh, mention this letter on the show today because just before the show, and I shit you not, this is really yeah. what was going through my head. Every year at around this time, especially when I'm back on the mainland, it's not so much in Hawaii where the climate is different, but mm-hmm. around this time, May, June, uh, where the weather is is kind of nice, crisp, right. it's not too hot yet, sunshine, uh, you know, that nice spring transition into summer. I always think about that time uh, working on the Don and Mike show with you and and the rest of the show. And one thing I specifically remember is when we all got to see Jurassic Park before anyone else, Uh, which was the summer of 1993. And we all drove down to Potomac Mills in a big caravan, all of us on the radio show. And we went in and watched it at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning. So we could get back in time to do the show. And I always associate this time of year with that period of time, that specific yeah. period of time transitioning cool. over. Because I was originally the intern on the Don and Mike show, technically, but I started uh-huh. gravitating towards the newsroom. Just like, that's right. more my area. And so then I officially became your intern yeah. kind of in this gray area between the end of the mm-hmm. semester and the beginning of the summer. And so uh, I always connect those things. And it's very in a very fond sense. I always remember it in, in a very uh, positive way. Not, not like, oh, shit, here we go. No. No, right. you you were the kind of, I mean, you were a, an ideal helper for me at that time because, and you know, I, I never made you go for Cokes and stuff. You no. Know? I never made you go for slushies or hot dogs or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I was interested in, you know, you doing stuff and uh, you, you know, you were able to pick up duties, but you really, you were at that time. And then we're talking many years ago, it, but even back then you were uh, perfectly capable of making the right decisions in yeah. any given situation, including the time Liddy wanted you to take down Letterman's picture. So. <laughs> Which is the greatest story ever. I mean, my God. Talk about an experience that has proved handy on many occasions when I need a good story to tell. That one is, uh, and that one's a, certainly a great one. But yeah, that was the uh, difference between working on the Don and Mike show proper and then, mm-hmm. because you were a member of the Don and Mike show, except with interns, they would kind of get divided between your newsroom and the, right. the, the main air studio of the show. Right. And right. so uh, I started out with Don and Mike, and one of the things that I would do every day is I would go and get their lunches. I would drive mm-hmm. out and get mm-hmm. salads and go to 7-Eleven and get all the different accoutrements and come back in time and have their lunches ready. I never had to do that for you. You're exactly right. Um, you always got your own lunches, although sometimes I would volunteer to run down to McDonald's or well, something sure. like that and get something yeah. for both of us. But I would still get the lunches for Don and Mike while I was interning for you. So I still had, there were still some things for the Don and Mike show that I was still doing while I was technically your intern. Of course, the flip side of that is I never gave you my ATM pin number like they did. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, I mean, talk about an experience when, holy shit, when Mike O'Mara handed me his ATM card, I said, Bob, can you go withdraw some cash for me? I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is actually kind of cool because Mike O'Mara is trusting me with his 
ATM card. Well, I mean, you, I could have just, you know, yoinked that money right out of his account and ran. No, or or better still, because you know, no, but you know, you don't want to steal. Yeah. But but it, what's fun about it is you can put the card in the ATM, and uh, one of the options it gives you is, would you like a balance? <laughs> yeah. You know, and just you, yeah, you could have you could have checked the balances. That would have been fun. That would have been worth it right there. Oh, I did. I absolutely saw the balance. Ah, good for you. Yeah. Bravo. It, it wasn't anything that I chose to get either. It was automatic. So I was able oh, to see right. on the receipt. Right. The receipt yeah. actually had his. And uh, yeah, it was in the, I don't mind saying it was in the five figures. His, sure. <laughs> his yeah. checking account balance. And yeah. the irony with that is, oh my God, did Don and Mike owe me money for their lunches? Because oh, that, was, that yeah. was one of the things I ended up paying for their lunches out of pocket. And as you know anything about the old days of interning, they weren't paid positions. I was volunteering no. my time. And so yeah. that was weird. So I was constantly having to borrow money from my parents to pay for oh, Don no, and Mike's <laughs> lunches. And no, it got to the you... point where I just stopped pestering them to get paid back. And I was just like, yeah, well, that's where the fine. ATM comes in. Andy. <laughs> then that, that's what that, I meant. I was like, that, oh, my that, God, that, I could have taken some of that money as reimbursement. That, at, at that point, it's not stealing; it's collecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Well, uh, God, <sighs> we could do we this survived. for the next uh, five hours if we wanted to. That's for sure. Lots of and people wouldn't to mind, but you know, democracy is on fire and all that. <laughs> yeah, so. that's right. Well, the big story of the day so far is Kevin McCarthy opposing the uh, the one six commission, as it's being called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is no surprise. It's shocking no. and and infuriating, but at the same time, it's no surprise because we're talking about the former party of personal responsibility here the party of personal responsibility wants nothing to do with personal responsibility i mean this is this is nothing new this goes back to i'm sure you remember buzz in the days after 9-11 when they were talking about forming a uh, 9-11 commission and the republicans opposed that the bush administration opposed it vocally i mean they didn't want anything to do with it and in fact uh, even once it was passed and became a thing uh george w bush refused to testify by himself, he had to have Dick Cheney sitting in the room with him holding his hand right. while they right. testified before the 9-11 Commission. So this is something that is a pretty standard operating procedure for the Republican Party to not dig into these things. And it's uh, it's it's infuriating, especially in this case. There's so much that still needs to be uncovered. It is. You know, they uh, clamor about bipartisanship or we hear a lot of talk about bipartisanship. What with a party that refuses to be bipartisan or be a part of anything that is bipartisan Mm -hmm. uh you can't you know a lot of people have used this line you can't negotiate with terrorists and we're really we're really kind of at that point and uh, we're not we're in a tough spot i i came here in in a bit of a mood today uh very concerned i you know i don't think democracy is threatened anymore i i think it's dying Mm -hmm. and and the prospects for us saving it are very very slim except for one thing Mm -hmm. i mean you know we've talked before about the gerrymandering and the voter suppression which has increased what are there like 145 republican proposals in all 50 states now to uh or nearly or maybe not all 50 states but in most of our states to suppress the vote especially black democratic voters Mm -hmm. uh and even if H.R. 1, the For the People Act, were to be passed, or S. 1, as I guess it's now also referred to, uh, if they were to be passed and have these voting reform laws, as I understand it, it's already too late uh, to reverse uh, these state laws that we now have to overcome 
in addition to all the other obstacles we have to overcome. Uh, we, I'm sure, you know, Joe, we may speak about Joe Manchin at some point, mm-hmm. uh, c- coming up. Uh, he, you know, here's a guy who, who does, he's against the filibuster. He's against, uh, HR one. Uh, he has a, an alternate proposal, but as I understand it, even his alternate proposal of modifying the original voting rights act, that that wouldn't pass either. Yeah. And, and and so we're in a really tough spot, and the only answer, the only thing I can bring to you today, democracy isn't threatened, it's dying. Yep. And the only way we can save it is by the most incredible voter turnout we've ever generated in both 22 and 24, um, uh, with uh, some of these Republican reforms being uh, the ability to overturn the counts and decisions of local election officials. That means had these things been in effect in 2020, Donald Trump would still be president right now. Yep, absolutely. And so there's so many things here that are on the plate at the same time, but the yep. the secret is we have the power to win with some of these things. We have the power to uh, expand Democratic majorities in Congress. And it's all coming up in 2022. We have the power to make this 1-6 commission happen, irrespective of whether Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell want to go along with it. But, it's but just Bob, it's a matter of public support, public outcry. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we have to muster here. I think we we've spent a period of time here, I believe, recovering psychologically from the damage of the Trump years. And when I speak of damage in this context, I mean damage to ourselves, damage to our uh, ability to grasp and and deal with politics in a direct way and an enthusiastic way because we've been beaten down for four years by that nonstop disaster. So I I understand that it takes some time to uh, kind of remuster the energy to proceed in a very powerful way. But I think we have to. I think it's got to start now. We got to start getting together and uh, and pushing for this commission to happen, pushing for accountability uh, in terms of the rest of the uh, plotters in the insurrection, namely Donald right. Trump uh, in particular, and then expand that energy into pushing forward with a successful uh, 22 yeah. midterms. As I understand it, there's a lot of pressure on Joe Biden right now to yeah. uh, to start condemning the big lie, to start. Uh, you know, uh, uh, fighting back on that. Yeah. And I I see signs that uh, the Biden administration is capable of this. They've shown little um, examples of what they're able to do, what they're what they're willing to do uh, in terms of fighting politically. And uh, right now, the president's being urged to step up the fight against uh, Trump and the big lie and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're being consumed by by the disinformation. It's, we're our our noses are barely above the surface of the water here. We are in severe danger. And and so yeah, you're right. We need to keep uh, the drumbeat going. We need to motivate people, but we can't just hope for a big turnout in 22. Yeah. We've got to make it happen. It is our only choice. And even then, with the Republicans' ability to overturn election results, even then, our chances are not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. So this requires a Herculean effort on every Democrat's part and every independent's part and any Republicans that maybe two or three of you out there uh, who have any kind of conscience about democracy, uh, we, we need every man, woman, and child we can get mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to make sure this stops because 
uh, with these Republican proposals on the table in state after state after state, uh, our chances, always slim, have just gotten slimmer. It's going to require massive hustle. I mean, we have to outnumber these people with percentages that we haven't seen in years. Maybe going back to like 2006 or something like that. That kind of trouncing. Like a 2006 style trouncing. I understand that seldom happens when you've got a, a president of the same party and so on where tends to be a kind of a disaster historically in that midterm. But I don't think it needs to be that way, especially given Mm -hmm. the fact that democracy is on the ballot. And that's what we have to continuously be aware of, that this isn't just about what happens to uh, the climate or what happens with reproductive rights or what happens with, uh, you know, uh, taxes or what have you, issues. This is beyond issues. I mean, obviously issues are important, but the driving force now has got to be the driving force toward increasing energy, increasing momentum towards a massive victory in 22 is got to be driven by the fact that we're saving our democracy here. And that's got to be the way we wrap our heads around this. Last call for democracy. Last call. <laughs> yeah. I hate yeah. to keep going over this because we were saying that in 2018. We were saying that in 2020. But it still well, remains true. Oh, it, it not only still remains true, in my view, and, and it's funny because, once again, today you and I are reversing roles. You're kind of being Mr. Glass Half Full in terms of your optimism. <laughs> Just wait. And, 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 and I feel like we're on the brink of death here with yeah. democracy. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, that's just where I am today. Uh, I, I, the, our, our hope, the rays of hope have grown very narrow. We yeah. are, as I said, your nose is barely above the surface of the water. You don't have much time or much ability left. It's now or never. This is, this is the last, it's the need to save democracy has existed, like you said, over this period of time, but it's, it's go time. It's crunch time. This yeah. is we're we're down to the wire here. I'm feeling more positive today, Buzz, mainly because I didn't spend a lot of time in my mentions on Twitter, re- reading all of my replies. Usually see, when that happens, see, I, my, my view tends to be more negative. I think ignore those people. I, Just, know, I mean, I, I no, I, I mean, I know I don't mean ignore the issues, I, but, but, but I mean, uh, you, don't read your own reviews, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, and I've learned this from personal experience, no matter how much faith you have in yourself, no matter how much confidence you have in yourself, mm-hmm. if you are constantly being bombarded yeah. by bullies, uh, you, you, you just have to... You have to ignore it. You have to turn it off and know in your heart that you are right. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if somebody keeps telling you that you're wrong or they keep repeating the big lie, you may give up at some point. Yeah. Well, I think my uh, my issue with my mentions right now has less to do with that. I mean, I don't really give a shit if people have you know nasty things to say about me and my opinions. What what right. irritates me more than anything else is when here's idea for saving democracy. This is my tweet. Here's my tweet, and it's an idea for how we can hold Trump accountable or how we can save democracy, generate energy for the Democratic Party, etc. Here's my idea. And then all of the replies are, no, here's a better idea, Bob. And, and you know what? The problem with that is it kind of illustrates the issue with the liberal democratic left. There are 
millions, let's say, what, what was, how many people voted for Joe Biden last night? Let's say 80 million 80, chefs. 80 million, <laughs> There's 80 yeah. million chefs in the kitchen on the Democratic side. Republicans, they tend to walk in lockstep yes, with whoever's in do. charge. Democrats, we all have our own individual ideas in terms of the best way to save the country, to help the country, to solve issues, to solve problems. And that's what drives me nuts more than anything else. Here's well, an idea. Yeah. Oh, well, here's yeah. a better idea, Bob. And then each reply is, oh, here's a better idea than that one. Well, and that's and 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 that's where and that's where I think it takes a leader to step in yeah, and coordinate yeah. that because uh, as annoying as some of those people can be, mm. uh, you know, we should be glad that we have them in our tent. Yeah. Uh, and maybe there are no bad ideas. I'm sure there are, you know, mm -hmm. a few. Uh, I guess from my own personal macro political experience. Yeah. So there's this one guy who's just uh, full of ideas, but he can be kind of annoying <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, because he just keeps coming at me with, with ideas. And uh, it's my job to uh, sort of hold him off without discouraging him because uh, the whole idea, I think, of the Democratic Party is that we are all under this big tent and that yeah. unlike the other party, we don't march in lock lockstep. And I think there's value in merging, discussing, and debating our various ideas. And I know some of them are irreconcilable, but most of them are reconcilable. Mm -hmm. And uh, doesn't that sort of debate make for a better policy? Uh, don't you have a better president when he sits in the Oval Office and listens to pros and cons yeah. of, of his intended policies and then makes a decision on that? So, I, you know, I, I it, were I a president, I would want without overload, as much uh, variety of input as possible uh, so that I can make a policy that more people can agree on and that's... Uh it's a better policy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the problem comes in when that happens, once that decision is made, then everyone's like, I don't like that decision because it's not mine. You know, and that's that's what right. I always bristle at. Like, okay, that I don't have ownership of whatever this is that Joe Biden and the Democrats right. are doing because I didn't come up with it myself. So fuck oh. him and his stupid ideas. I tend there, to see that uh, quite a bit, too, and that's annoying yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Americans, I think Americans of all political stripes, uh, and this doesn't speak for everybody, but there yeah. are a lot on on and this is the only time you'll hear me say both sides there's yeah. a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of ego yeah uh, yeah that that plays into that especially because of and on social media mm -hmm. well you know back to this one six commission and and how right. that needs to happen and and then looping in with what, what we were just talking about with regard to the democrats mm -hmm. i i feel like the they need to drop this whole negotiation they need to stop making it a well let's get some republicans on board here with this idea too and that's never going to happen they're obviously opposed to this mitch mcconnell's never going to allow it to happen kevin McC McCarthy's never going to allow it to happen. Rick Wilson did a whole tweet thread about this and how the Democrats just need to press forward and just yeah. start oh, yeah. the goddamn commission. Just yeah, do I, it. Hold these bastards accountable because we need to start fighting fire at some point. Yes, and we're not yes, we're not doing yes. it right now. I, please, I, please, I, begging, and they're never going to do it. It's like with the uh, uh, Mansion Murkowski thing or any of these other negotiations. Well, they're trying to they're trying to whittle the infrastructure bill down, and then as soon as Joe Biden agrees to a lower number, they're not going to vote for it. Anyway, it's the I old think, trap. I, I think we're uh, on the precipice of a meeting of the two Joes. I think oh. 
President Biden's about to have uh, Senator Manchin up to the White House for a little <laughs> chat. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't know what the result of that will be. We are kind of screwed right now. Yeah. HR one S one for the People Act that, that would, ex- it would expand voting rights. Mm. Uh, is deadlocked in yeah. the Senate Rules Committee uh, in a nine to nine vote, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's just not going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's stuck, mm-hmm. and so this is why I came to work uh, a little pessimistic today, and and uh, you know why I came away with the conclusion that my God, we can't just hope for a better turnout. We have to freaking make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that is uh, kind of drawing me into this negative space, especially today, Buzz, is I feel like the degree of the crime, and I'm specifically talking about, of course, the insurrection, is not generating the kind of uh, backlash outcry that it should be. I feel like we should all be pushing for much harsher measures. I understand the idea of holding Donald Trump legally accountable and having him arrested and and indicted and so on. If that eventually happens, that'll be great. But I I think for the time being, we need to really, in one loud voice, I just, I feel like the outrage is not matching the degree of the crime. And and here's why. Here's why. It's because it's been watered down by the big lie promoted by Republicans. 80% of Republican voters believe that uh, there was, the, the election was hinky. Yeah, right. Eight, eight out of ten. Now they're a minority, but eight out of freaking ten of them believe that the the, the election was a scam. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is very very concerning because yeah. even though they're a minority, we're talking about tens of millions, hundreds. I don't know. Yeah, millions of people who believe the big lie, mm-hmm. and there's no erasing it. There's no, it's like, oh, by the way, that big lie thing, that's that's wrong. That's not going to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, right. not going to change anyone's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're, uh, we're in a corner, I think, yeah. as Democrats right now, uh, in terms of we can't change the minds of 80% of Republicans who make up a substantial part of our voter base, of our, our you know, total voter base, mm-hmm. uh, and and we we can't seem to get HR one through. Uh, we're running out of options. Yeah. And so if if the thought of democracy ending here and now terrifies you, this is the time to act. Uh, if the thought of you know and and uh, yeah, the same is true. And my mood is the same on climate change today. <laughs> if I may just throw this in today. Oh sure, yeah. I uh, heard heard a report that said if we don't stop mining for petroleum products, natural gas, and the like, today, it's too late to, to reverse the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not, it's not happening. So it's, it, to me, no. it's, it's fait complete with all of that. I, I just, I, you want to talk about where I get really super negative. When it comes right. to the climate crisis, I'm just like, well, fuck it. We, we couldn't do a, a lockdown for a couple of months when right. we were faced with, you know, all of us dying. Mm. So how do we handle... You know, of course, we know who the usual suspects are in all of this. I mean, when I say we, sure. I mean the usual suspects, where we could just couldn't deal with that. We couldn't handle that amount of sacrifice. There's no fucking way the American people are, in a profound way at least, going to go along with a sacrifice that's required to solve the climate crisis. I just don't see it happening. I feel like in the near term, it's just going to be nothing but mitigation I, I, things. Like, mitigate, I, like, like, how do we keep the oceans from over 
overtaking our cities. Hey, sand right, berms and right. seawalls. Okay, well, there's, right. then there's a whole closet industry of sand berms and seawalls being built. And that's how we end up dealing with it. Like Hurricane-proof yeah, yeah. housing and so on, and rather than dealing with why the hurricanes are growing in, ex- in extreme force. You know, So these are some of the things that keep me in that negative side of the uh, ledger. And yeah. I wish I wish it wasn't that way. I, you know, the same thing goes when I talk about the aftermath of the insurrection. I feel like historically in the past, when other despotic leaders like Donald Trump have engaged in what Donald Trump engaged in on right. January 6th, the punishment was swift and harsh. I, I wrote a whole article about this a couple of months ago. I tweeted about it again yesterday where I said, you know what? There should be people clamoring for Donald Trump's properties to be seized, destroyed, raised to the ground, and replaced with COVID uh, memorials to COVID victims or uh, teaching hospitals or something. And I feel like every time I mention, you know, maybe some form of, I guess in, in modern context, an extreme kind of comeuppance. Every time I mention that, it's like, well, no, Bob, I'd just be happy with him getting arrested. Well, first of all, getting arrested doesn't mean he's going to be convicted. Second of all, it's, <laughs> look. It'll help. I, yeah, it, it'll help, and it's, and it's valuable. But at the same time, I just feel I like there should be more clamoring for it. Donald Trump wanted to invade Congress, for God's sake, and he did it. For a period of time, Donald mm-hmm. Trump seized the halls of Congress. You're right. And and American people needs to be more outraged about this. Uh, I know. And and I think I think those of us who are sane Mm -hmm. are outraged by it. Uh, I think uh, we're never going to touch those 80 percent of Republicans. Uh, They're they're immovable. And and then there's the segment of the population that goes, I'm tired of hearing about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're tired of hearing about <laughs> and And the threat to, to democracy, the threat to democracy has gotten even worse since yeah. January 6th. And mm-hmm. January 6th must never be forgotten. And Republicans are trying to have it both ways and, and saying, you know, well, we need to move on from that. And here again, that feeds the public disinformation, feeds the public sentiment that, yeah, let's let Let's move on. It's yeah. just better if we move. No, this can. No, we have to make it as you just outlined, crystal clear that this cannot, will not mm-hmm. be tolerated. Robert E. Lee was just a foot soldier in an insurrection, a violent insurrection against the federal government. He right. was just a foot. He wasn't even the planner of it. He wasn't the instigator of it. But Robert E. Lee participated in that as a general. And what what happened to Robert E. Lee? His property on Arlington Heights was seized by the federal government, and they Uh buried Union soldiers right up to the front doorstep of that property. Robert E. Lee's house in Arlington, Virginia, became Arlington National Cemetery because the federal government was like, fuck you and your insurrectionist buddies. We're burying our dead on your property, and you're never going to fucking live there again. And then Americans built a series of Robert E. Lee statues and (laughs) named a New Orleans riverboat after him. (laughs) There you go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, don't ever yeah. do this again, future presidents. Yeah, um, and Trump, I believe you had a proposal about Trump Tower as well. Yeah, I Trump think. Tower. You know, take your pick. Mar-a-Lago, Trump Tower. Yeah. You know, either one would be a nice spot for a COVID memorial. Or maybe, uh, right. I know there were some proposals. People uh, were tweeting about this yesterday, too. A teaching hospital for nurses and doctors. Uh, you oh, know, epidemiologists and so on. Great I mean, idea. Yeah, great also idea. a good idea. Uh, you know, cemetery space for people, COVID victims who can't afford what, uh, a decent burial plot. Thank 
what, like what, what do we name it? The Anti-Trump Memorial Hospital? Oh. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, uh, God, I, there are so many different names we could come up with. Uh, both, <laughs> yes. both profane both, and decent. Yes, <laughs> most of them profane. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's talk about our Patreon page here and now. If you're sick and tired of the commercials on the show, like the one I'm reading right now, I have some great news for you. For just $15 per month, you can get the ultimate edition of this show, and it's entirely commercial-free. Here's what that means. The Ultimate Edition combines the free version of the Tuesday and Thursday shows with the post-mortem show that we record after the end credits. Plus, we take out all the commercials just for you. That means you get the hour-long free show plus the 20-minute post-mortem show where all the real fun happens, and you get all of that without commercials in one convenient chunk for just $15 per month. That's bobseskashow.com, or just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Bob Seska Show. Gonna make a pit stop in New Orleans Go somewhere I've never been And dance my worries away Gonna buy one drink in a second too Tonight I'll learn what booze can do And I won't remember things When that morning sun pulls me away Gonna be driving, driving away yeah, maybe our first real contender for Song of the Summer. This is a brand new music from Luke LeBlanc. Song called Driving off of his brand new album, Only Human, drops July 9th. LukeLeBlanc.com. God, great song. You know who this reminds me of, Buzz? Reminds me of uh, Mrs. Burbank's favorite Tom Petty. Really? Sounds like a Tom Petty song to me. And, Maybe. Uh, it's This is a bit more country than that. But yeah, I, I, I guess I see that. It makes me want to get in a pickup truck and go buy some beer. <laughs> hey, me too. Let's go together. <laughs> All right. Uh, getting back to it. Oh, by the way, LukeLeBanc.com, BobSeska.com slash music if you want to uh, submit your songs to the show. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you in advance for uh, sharing your work. It's such a privilege here to do it on the show yes. here. Okay, so moving along here. So we were talking about Kevin McCarthy, who, by the way, is also greatly benefiting from Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan. In fact, more than most, his district apparently is really in need of the uh, different benefits of this American Rescue Plan. Kern County, uh, California, uh, ranks higher in uh, unemployment rates than 
the rest of California on average and definitely above the U.S. average. So congratulations, Kevin McCarthy. Your district is uh, unemployed more than most in California. And so in that regard, his district is also receiving a ton of things like the expanded child tax credit included in the American Rescue Plan, which, by the way, Kevin McCarthy opposed more than 93 percent, the seventh highest proportion in California, according to figures uh, reviewed by by The Washington Post. So that's a pretty good deal. And locally, yeah, it is. uh, But locally, Republicans are receiving that money from the feds to be distributed in that way and then earmarking it for other things yeah. because, uh, and I really was excited about addressing this today. Uh, the, the Republican view is that, uh, the reason it's hard to find workers for restaurants and such is that we're paying them too much unemployment money and we need to, we're paying too many benefits. <laughs> we need to cut benefits. So people will get back to work and pull themselves oh, up Jesus. by their bootstraps. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so it's that, it's that old thing again. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just not true. It's not true. Uh, there's a lot going on. Sociologically, uh, a lot of people have decided they just don't want those kinds of jobs anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, financially, uh, it is not true that you can make more money on unemployment than you can working. It just isn't true. Of course not. Uh, and and this is another. We'll call this the little lie. Yeah. Uh, but because and it's widespread and people of all political stripes believe it. Uh, all Republicans, uh, most independents, and and too many Democrats believe. Well, yeah, that's why we're having trouble, especially if they own a restaurant. And and as you and I have said before, no, pay them a, a wage they can live on, and they would rather be with you. Yeah, yeah. And also, what does this say about Republican Kevin McCarthy's uh, job creation plans here? I mean, right, the, the poverty right. rate in McCarthy's district is uh, 15.6%, which is well above California's 11.8% rate, and the national rate of 12.3%. So once again, congratulations, Republicans, doing a great job. But, you know, if but, Donald Trump was on the other side, Donald Trump would point to Kevin McCarthy and say, what's wrong with your radical district? You don't do if, anything. <laughs> if people only, are unemployed. If, if only that mattered politically, because all McCarthy has to do is say uh, Republicans are, uh, I'm sorry, all he has to say is that Democrats are turning the government into socialism and they want to take away your hamburgers. <laughs> and uh, then they'll, the, the, the electorate will be deaf to any other information that mm-hmm. you may try to impart on them. Uh, facts such as those unemployment figures. Well, one of the, uh, I don't know if it's the big lie, but it's a minor lie, I think, underneath some of the big lies, which is that people like Kevin McCarthy are going home and saying, hey, look at all this money I'm bringing home to you. There's all, all mm-hmm. this, uh, oh, look at all this cash yeah. I'm winning, and it happens to yeah. be all from the American Rescue Plan, which they all oppose. But yeah. what they're figuring, Buzz, is that uh, their voters aren't smart enough to realize well. that the money that they're talking about came from the American Rescue Plan. They're assuming that their voters will go, oh, that must be separate money that they got on their own, not the money that came from Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan. Yeah, you know, but, but I, here is, I'm happy with the Biden administration about this because yeah. Trump certainly did it, and I'm glad to see Biden doing it too. I got a letter yesterday about the latest uh, you know, pandemic relief. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good that he's getting the word out like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the ways we can counter that argument, but... Uh, trying to, you know, crack the skulls of, uh, that's not what I mean. I don't mean that literally (laughs) trying, trying to crack into the skulls of, of Republicans who are, uh, dead set in their ways, uh, 
it's just not going to be possible. Mm-hmm. Well, so much is based on the big lie. I mean, that's the yes, yes. overarching theme of Republican policymaking these days, and that's what's driving their election laws, and the election laws are all based on right. Donald Trump's big lie about the election. I mean, that's that's the absurdity of it. I mean, we've seen this, there's countless examples uh, from the past, but the main one that we're observing right now is Donald Trump, during the transition, sitting on the toilet, making up shit, tweeting about it, putting it out into the atmosphere, then beginning to litigate uh, based on those things. And now the Republicans are legislating based on Donald Trump's fan fiction about what happened in the election. And that's the, I mean, as we talk about how terrible these things are, let us never forget that they are all based on that big lie. And since we cannot fix it, and I have come to the conclusion that that cannot be fixed, not in the short term, and I can talk about the long-term solution again, but Mm -hmm. it cannot be fixed in the short term. So we have only one alternative crush them at the polls. Absolutely. And crushing them at the polls not only saves democracy, but expands our numbers in the Senate so people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are no longer a factor. We have the power to make them no longer a factor. If you're really pissed off about Joe Manchin, get you and all your friends, make sure they're all registered to vote, and start getting energized for 2022 because that's one of the things that we get. What do we get out of this election? Well, we get a a broader majority in the Senate if we're Mm -hmm. smart and if we hustle. And the broader majority in the Senate will allow us to say, okay, Joe Manchin, you no longer have the power that you had in the the previous two years. We we, we have no choice. And then again, uh, while I am hopeless in the short term about overcoming disinformation Mm -hmm. and the big lie, uh, I am a bit hopeful, maybe, in the long term, about uh, something I've preached about on the show before, and that is uh, education, you know, teaching uh, civics and government and, and uh, citizenship and those kinds of things. Uh, the Biden administration is pushing through a gargantuan bill to fund the teaching of civics, which has been ignored. And they admit, I mean, we've seen actual proof now that uh, civics has been ignored in recent years with the focus, the test-driven focus on math and and. Uh, and language, yeah. uh, they've overlooked uh, citizenship. Mm-hmm. And it shows, doesn't it? Doesn't oh, God, it show yeah. Yeah. in our election? So long-term, I'm still optimistic that we can fix this, uh, but only if there's a democracy in which to do it. Mm-hmm. And that the fate of that democracy is a little over a year away from being decided. So when it comes to this Joe Manchin, Lisa Murkowski letter, Buzz, what do you make of this in terms of uh, the strategy here and how it correlates with uh, H.R. 1 and, you know, the For the People Act and so on? Is this kind of their way to do an end around to say, hey, well, we're not going to get that because of the filibuster, but how about this, which also is never going to happen without the uh, elimination of the filibuster? As I pessimistically stated at the beginning of the show, what we know from looking at the votes and hearing from Republicans is even that wouldn't pass Congress. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah. So uh, what? Uh, what's the answer then? Well, then Manchin has to come around on the filibuster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Bi- Biden's in favor of that. And that's why I think Biden's about to call Joe Manchin up to the White House. Yep. And uh, I look forward to hearing the readout about that one. But Manchin and uh, Lisa Murkowski here know full well 
that none of this shit is going to pass the current Senate. It's just They know it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, certainly, yeah. it is a noble thing, and I thought it was a good thing that, uh, you know, Joe Manchin has got a Republican to sign on to at least something. So if we get something in this, and of right. course, we've That's all been yelling. Yeah, I mean, we've all been yelling since 2013 when uh, Shelby versus Holder was passed that they need to somehow reinstate Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act. And that was what was gutted in that case, in the Shelby case, mm-hmm. because John Roberts suddenly thought, hey, there's no more racism anymore. Look, black president. And of course, and we know you, there's plenty of always, racism still. You always want that decided by a white guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and what Section 4 did basically is the, the particular section of Section 4 that was uh, addressed in Shelby is the fact that uh, certain states with a history of racism and Jim Crow right. laws had to go through a pre clearance process for all of their election related laws. And that would get cleared through the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice would take a look okay, is this motivated by racism? or is this on the level and is there good reason or is there justification for this particular I, election law but all that's gone now because buzz we there's no more racism in america yeah yay let's have a parade <laughs> well meanwhile uh i want to talk about this uh oh my god this mississippi abortion ban case that the supreme court has decided yes. to take up this is a uh, dobbs versus jackson women's uh health organization And this is going to be the first abortion case since Amy Coney Barrett has joined the court uh, last October. I want to get into all of this and what we can expect and where this is all headed uh, right after one last quick break. Back uh, with more show right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! Uh, the great soul crackers from Washington, D.C. If I can't get close to you, uh, Al Green. Covering Al Green right here from 30 Years of Soul, Volume 2, soulcrackers.net. To support these guys, love this album. Holy shit. You know, every time I play one of these songs, like if, 
If you're ever going to have a, if you're going to get married at some point, you want to have <laughs> this music for your uh, reception. Absolutely. Well, maybe not this song. I, and the reason I say that, <laughs> yeah. how, how did you know I wanted to hear the blues today? <laughs> because true. that's what they, it, it's a blues rendition of the Al Green song. Right. And I love, I love it. I'm, I'm really digging blues and jazz more these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, can't get enough of soul crackers. That's for sure. Amen. All right. So moving along here, we're talking about the uh, the fact that the Supreme Court has agreed to hear this Mississippi abortion case. Basically what happens is the Mississippi law bans all abortions with a couple of exceptions after the 15-week mark, which, first of all, 15 weeks is entirely arbitrary. The only reason why it's 15 weeks is because they want to roll it back. They want to incrementally roll it back right. from the viability standard under Roe, which is the third trimester or around... 22 weeks, give or take. Mm -hmm. And so, but once that viability standard from Roe v. Wade gets overturned, then the number could be 15, it could be one week, it could be two weeks, it could be whatever the Republicans want it to be, because that's what's going to happen in all of these Republican-controlled legislatures across the country. I mean, if it hasn't already happened, they got a bunch of laws on deck already passed in most of these states, ready to roll. Right, and just like voter fraud... They're addressing uh, a perceived problem that really doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Abortions are at an all-time low. Yeah, right. Uh, it just and and they were before the pandemic. Because, yeah. So it's it's not that. Mm. Uh, in other words, Republicans are once again trying to address uh, something they perceive as a problem. Yeah. Uh, that isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I know they they think even one is a problem, and and that's a problem for us because uh, as I think you've indicated, this could be the end of abortion rights or the beginning of the end in terms of, as I've understood the strategy, it is to continue to chip, chip, chip away. Yeah. And with a, with a six conservative supermajority on the Supreme Court, uh, once again, we're facing uh, pretty insurmountable odds here. Plus, there's uh, there's Griswold, I think, which is on the uh, on the chopping block here. Griswold v. Connecticut, of course, made it legal for married couples to get contraception. I mean, this is this is the kind of shit they're gunning for. They basically they want to turn women into Handmaid's Tale birthing vessels. You know, basically, where if you're a woman, you've got zero choice because it suddenly becomes the whimsy of the man as to what happens with your body. And that's what the Republicans want. They want to control women. It's like the old George Carlin bit. They have no interest whatsoever in the fetus. It's not about the fetus for them, although it's a great selling point because it's dramatic to talk about the fetus and the, oh, exactly. we're killing the exactly. fetus. See, yeah. they're all about, they're all about uh, what they see as hot-button issues, and, yeah. and apparently they're right. They uh, Here's the Republican position about Democrats, and mm-hmm. here's what Republicans say, Republican uh, politicians say to Republicans. Republican voters. They want to take away your guns. They want to take away your rights. They want to Mm -hmm. take away your hamburgers. They want to take away your Dr. Seuss and they want to take away your babies. Yep. Mm-hmm. What do we? What sort of a pattern do we see here? And, yeah. and not that these things belong in the same category, but they are thanks to the Republicans. They're all things that uh, certainly the conservative base uh, who doesn't want to give up. In fact, uh, among all voters, nobody wants to give up their rights, their hamburgers, their Dr. Seuss, or their babies. Yeah, uh, it, it's it. But they're looking for 
political hot buttons, something else I've learned a bit about recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very effective, as I found out myself and as the Demo- as the Republicans find out, time after time after time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's a great litmus test to determine. If you're ever confronted by someone who is anti-choice, propose to them this concept. And I've talked about this before. Those of you who follow the show know this already. You can say it along with me now. <laughs> Ask them if they would support something like making pregnancy free. Taking out the financial burden of pregnancy. If you make pregnancy 100% financed by the government, that's a doctor, postnatal care, everything. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. process, it's totally free, subsidized by the government. Do you support that? Because what that would do, that eliminates a major reason for why uh, many women have abortions in this country, because they simply can't afford to be pregnant and have children. Not, not to mention the cost of housing, clothing, yep. and feeding the child Absolutely. until it reaches legal age. Right. So that would significantly reduce the number of abortions in this country yeah, but they I, won't I think, they won't support that they won't go no, along with that because not. the the goal no. is to control women that's the yeah, idea the, well the control is to be negative the control is they want to kill your babies yeah. uh, you know <laughs> they're looking for that political emotional yeah. hot button and uh, they go for it every time mm-hmm. we need to do more of that yeah. Well, the law, this particular law in Mississippi failed at both the district level and the appeals court level. Look, Mm -hmm, the only way, the only way Rose survives this court case in the Supreme Court is if the justices have some sort of historic epiphany about not overturning precedent that's more than 50 or coming up on 50 years old. Seldom does the Supreme Court ever overturn its own precedent if it's beyond a couple of decades, right? Right. And so, and that's only happened about 2% of the time. But we're now in an age where the court is immensely political. And and so there's a drive now uh, that goes beyond the dignity of the court to overturn this shit. We we have Amy Coney Barrett, who's a nut job. And and I I hear that there may be a ray of hope in, in Kavanaugh along with Roberts and, you know, but... Uh, this is a much different court than those previous rulings. And yeah. the precedent was never more in danger of being overturned than it is with a six conservative supermajority. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem and, is... Uh, oh, which, I'm sorry. Which, by the way, I, I just want to tag that with, uh, which brings us back to expanding the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, here's a scenario that I see happening in the deliberations here. I bet Roberts is going to argue, or one of them, uh, maybe Roberts, Coney Barrett, uh, maybe even someone like uh, Neil Gorsuch, will argue uh-huh. that, well, most abortions happen before 15 weeks, so why not allow this law go to, to go into effect? If most people are having an abortion uh, within the first couple of yeah, months, we, like in the first know. eight weeks, yeah, then We're, then that's okay. We can keep that 15-week marker but in place. But as I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. As I understand it, uh, the, the best betting odds are they will, uh, you know, they will okay this case, and, yeah, yeah, and they will effectively turn over a substantial part of Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, this is part of my pessimism today. Uh, I don't think there's much we can do to change this. We can hope for a miracle, mm-hmm. uh, but right now the odds are uh, on that Supreme Court decision are very much against choice. Yeah. So here's how this kind of plays out: Supreme okay. Court upholds the Mississippi law. And then uh, all of these states that either have legislation pending or legislation mm-hmm. already passed waiting mm-hmm. to go into effect once Roe is whittled down to something, uh, you know, right. w- short of being uh, completely overturned, whittled down. That's something John Roberts does or likes to do uh-huh. is to whittle uh-huh. down 
uh, precedent. And so uh, once that happens, all these laws go into effect. There are still uh, pockets of the country, in particular blue states with Democratic mm-hmm. legislatures, where none of those laws will go into effect. So at least for the time being, women in those blue states will be okay. But the women in the red states will be completely screwed, subjugated, and so on. But when it comes to the blue states, that can only last so long, too. The safety of the blue states can only extend until something happens and the Republicans take over one of the blue states, and then there's a, a law that's passed there. And yeah. meanwhile, the Supreme Court continues to take other cases that chip away, chip away, chip away yeah. at Roe v. Wade. Right, right. I mean, the only real solution to this is to create a constitutional amendment protecting the right to privacy. And that will extend from reproductive rights all the way into things like uh, social media and data mining and so on, where there is, you know, in this country, according to Roe v. Wade, there is a right to privacy, and the Republicans dispute that. That's the amazing thing. These people who are all about, hey, you know what, look, I'm not going to have the government tell me what to do. They're not going to tell me to wear a mask or get a vaccine. These are the people who are opposed to a right to privacy, a constitutional right to privacy. They don't want it anymore. Right. It's amazing. Right. Not not for women, not for pregnant women, no. Yeah, well, I mean, generally speaking, none of us. Roe v. Wade goes away. No one has a right to privacy uh, over their own bodies. Republicans would then have purview over what happens inside of your body. And that's the one of the many terrible tragedies about all of this. One of the many ways that they subversively want to control the American people. That's the fascism. That's the totalitarianism that the Republican Party is all about. And they start with women. They start with the vulnerable. They start with immigrants. And then they expand and expand and expand. Suddenly, you know, we've all got the uh, boot on our necks of uh, Republican control, fascist idiocracy, right? And and then they came for me, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, hey, cheerful. And then, by the way, also, as I said before, Griswold Griswold is certainly going to get, or I know the conservative red hat right wants to eliminate Griswold as well, because once you start start willing back, Buzz, the point of viability and get Mm -hmm. into this discussion of when life begins, well, you know, to a certain extent, there are religious groups in this country. Certainly Catholicism is based on this. The every sperm is sacred uh, notion, right? Oh yeah, it could go that far. Yeah, and they said, well, yeah. you're, if you're if you're using contraception, you're blocking a life from being created. Well, as long as we start putting guys in prison for masturbating, yeah. uh, then you know it's because uh, that's. That's precious life on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. They get you uh, at the beginning, at conception, and then they get you once uh, once you've conceived and you're screwed. Then the government tells you what happens with that conception. And it's just... It's a it's a trash compactor that uh, is not representative I, of democracy I, I, at all. I, I wish I wish we had happier news today about yeah. the climate, about about uh, choice rights, mm-hmm. uh, about democracy itself. Uh, we don't. Uh, we're not at the end of hope. But like I said, nose just above the surface. Yeah. I mean, remember Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, they both voted last June to allow that restrictive uh, Louisiana abortion law to go to effect, mm-hmm. even though it did get overturned by the court five to four. With right. it, But this was while Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still alive. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. But now with Amy Coney Barrett there. There's not the need for that swing vote necessarily, the John Roberts vote. It would end up being what was five to four then would end up being six to three now. And that's the tragedy. I 
I, I refuse to, and this is just a personal nasty thing on my part, I refuse to, to refer to either Kavanaugh or Barrett uh, with their titles. Yeah. Well, uh, I, say, I say their names, but I don't, I don't consider them genuine members of the court. Well, that's, uh, that's the, one of the many things that's upsetting about all this buzz is because we're talking about Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, uh, Barrett, who are all appointed by someone who basically ordered an invasion and occupation of the United States Congress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, uh, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Gorsuch has much patience for that, and I, I like the fact that Gorsuch has at least shown some independence. So I'm not, I haven't written him completely off yet. In fact, in some ways, he uh, has, on some occasions, redeemed himself a bit. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd like to consider him a maybe. And like I said, I, I heard... I heard even Kavanaugh's a maybe on this abortion boat. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, last June makes me think that maybe they're not. But uh, but I don't think Barrett is either. So I, I just, I have very little hope other than, as I said, other than the weight of precedent, the weight of how the yeah. Supreme Court has handled these right. kinds of decisions but where they're these, overturning yeah. precedent. That's the but, only sliver of sunlight that, that mm-hmm. is in this uh, particular case. Yes, but as you said, uh, these folks were chosen probably because of uh, an abortion litmus test. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, on that cheerful note. <laughs> good luck, America. Yeah, good luck. We're, we're out of here. So long, son. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. We're not going anywhere. Uh, but lots more to talk about here on the Postmortem Show coming yes. up on our Patreon page. I want to talk about a couple of uh, funny stories where there are crazy made-up names entering into official documents. And a, a couple of examples of that uh, that I want to talk about. Uh-huh. One one has to do with uh, PPP loans from last year. It was a great ProPublica article. Or is it ProPublica? I don't know. I say Publica. Publica yeah, yeah. yeah. A uh, great uh, ProPublica article about that. Also, uh, uh, Jack Mehoffer enters the news, too. i got to talk <laughs> about course. that. you got to talk about that one, too. The uh, theme continues. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, uh, a little bit about vaccine shirkers and uh, their ridiculous uh, side effects, uh, or non-existent side effects, as the case may be. And uh, plus, uh, we gotta, I, I want to quiz you, Buzz. You uh-huh. were engaged in a uh, little bit of a uh, political campaign. I referred to it a couple of times in today's free show, and if if only you were a Patreon subscriber, yep. you would be able to hear the story that goes with that in a few moments. <laughs> okay. Well, that and a whole lot more coming up on our postmortem show on our Patreon page. When this music keeps, uh, when this music stops playing, I should say, we keep on talking, and we call it the postmortem show. It goes about uh, 15, 20 minutes, uh, and it's where re- the real fun happens. So don't miss out. You know. FOMO is a real thing, isn't it? And That's right. uh, yeah, yeah. So for five dollars a month, all you got to do is sign up for five dollars a month, and you get two postmortem shows a week—one after the Tuesday show and one after the Thursday show. Sign up for ten dollars a month, you get the two postmortem shows, plus you get the Friday after party with me and Kimberly Johnson, who, by the way, has returned home uh, hey. as of yesterday. She's Kimberly Johnson Success. is back. Jody Hamilton got to hug her mom. She'll talk about that on Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Plus, uh, the weirdness is melting away. I don't know if you've been able to tell during today's show. but Not I'm... at my house. <laughs> we may talk about that a little bit, too, here coming up on the Postmortem Show. I I got to take my hat off to you, my friend. But we'll uh, we'll maybe get into that on our Postmortem Show coming up. Uh, meanwhile, you can find Buzz yeah. everywhere uh, you peruse social media, Facebook, Twitter. Just search for Buzz Burbank, the traditional spelling of both Buzz and Burbank. You and- do look good in a hat, by the way. <laughs> okay, good enough. 
Oh, shit. Oh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, well, we got a lot more news to talk about here. Lots more fun uh, coming up here on the show. So take it easy, folks. We will see you uh, again on the Postmortem Show and then on uh, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Take care. Bye-bye. Don't be a FOMO. <laughs> <laughs>